And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage yourself, Mama Madden. How are you? You know, I am okay. Um, a little bit more frustrated that my working tool, my voice box, is not on game. Um, been fighting this whatever I have cold or something. So I'd like my voice to be back to being consistent, but we're just going to have to have the listeners tolerate what it can give today. That's always that's always concerning when someone who always says like we we all know people in in life who are always like how he's like I'm fine I'm fine and then one day they're like I'm okay it's like oh <laughs> news alert every ten years Stacy is just okay and not great <laughs> yeah that and that's cause for concern but um uh, Stacy tell us what our topic is for today. Well, um, our topic is, how am I going to phrase this? Our topic is when we think something, when we think one way about ourselves, but when we find out information and it explains um, why we do the things we do, then it's very enlightening. So our topic is about enlightenment, but something more specific to Torin. Torin had a... Um, what do I say? Like, I think I said, was it congratulations? You're dyslexic. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I just realized while you were talking, I don't know why I ever say like, what's our topic when the topic's in the title of the podcast. I just realized <laughs> that every single time we say, what is our topic? And it, it's the title. Like they, they know when oh they clicked gosh, on it. And if it's not so the title, true. And if it's not in the title, it's in, it's in the description. Yes. So the, but the, guess what? Some of our listeners, they just listen, they may be driving, so they may not see the topic and they just let the episodes go from one to another. So we have ah, to that's, that, that That's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, uh, recently, oh, not recently. So when we did the IEP episodes a few months ago, mm-hmm. part of, I don't know if we said it on recording, but part of some of these IEPs and psych evaluations, several of them suggest that I might be dyslexic. This is the one that I was a kid. Uh, none of this was followed up because when you have the autism trademark, so capital T, capital A, the autism, mm-hmm. nothing else really matters. It also said I was hearing impaired when I was four and I didn't even get a hearing aid until I was in my 20s and I got it myself because everyone said, no, you're not, he- you're not hearing impaired. It's not a problem. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so because I have the autism. Mm-hmm. So... Apparently, I'm dyslexic. I haven't been officially diagnosed. I'm never going to be officially diagnosed because I don't have the money, time, or patience. And as far as I'm concerned, I went through more evaluations than almost any student like on earth when I was a kid. And they couldn't figure it out, even though it was obvious, like in hindsight. But when I saw that on the IEP a few months ago, it got me thinking a little bit. And I thought, maybe I might, maybe that, that because I've had a lot of issues with I I went to college for creative writing and history, which is all reading and writing. And I really struggled, even though I had understanding of everything. I just I struggled with writing essays, I struggled with writing stories, even though I was a decent writer and I understood the material. And I always struggled with reading. I can't spell either. Like my spelling is so comically bad when I work as a teacher. I work with second graders, first <laughs> and second graders. And if I spelt something on the board, they would routinely have to correct me. 
And these were you know, these were first and second graders in like the South Bronx public school system. <laughs> like these kids could barely read. They were not at grade level, and I was below that. So I've always had these issues. So I thought maybe I didn't know much about dyslexia though. And to be frank, I didn't actually look it up because I was afraid if I looked it up and I didn't fit the criteria. I would go back to what I previously thought about myself, which is that I was just stupid or lazy and not working hard enough or just like so profoundly just mentally scrambled. I'm trying not to use the R word, but so profoundly disabled that there was just like no hope for me whatsoever. But over the last few weeks, I got curious. I don't even know why I looked this up. I got curious and actually did some research into dyslexia. What is it? What are the symptoms? How does it present? A little bit of history of it. I was just curious. And they gave us lists and they said, if you fit some of the symptoms, you might be dyslexic. Boy, I fit every single characteristic. I fit things <laughs> that I thought had nothing to do with dyslexia. I was like, they're like, uh, kids with dyslexia will have trouble summarizing stories that they just read. And I remember, I can't summarize anything. I can't summarize my own stories. I couldn't summarize stuff as a kid. And there was a big, I hate to use the word traumatic, but it was traumatic because I couldn't do it. They would yell at me saying I didn't read it and I would melt down and then they would blame the autism for the issue. So I looked in, so I saw that, looked into it, and then I started thinking back on my life and I went, holy shit. So that was sort of eye-opening, for lack of a better word, because mm -hmm. it, it feels like it's sort of the missing piece mm -hmm. for all of my struggles. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, not all of my struggles related to being dyslexic. It felt like that was, I have explanations for everything else, but there was a whole bunch of stuff I just did not have explanations from that simply being on the spectrum, for example, didn't fit this. Yeah. For example, why writing advice to, that works for every other writer None of it works for me, for example. Why I struggle so much to read. I do a lot of reading. I do read a lot, but I have to put a lot of mental effort into it. I have to read things multiple times. I see words that aren't there. Words flip around on me. It's It, it, it takes a lot of mental energy. I'm a very slow reader, a very slow writer. As evidence of the fact, I've been trying to write a book for the last decade, and I have like a grand total of two chapters done. So <laughs> I looked into this stuff. And it, it was the missing piece. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is why I struggle with all of these things I had no explanation for struggling with. And it's such a relief. Like, maybe I'm a little bit bitter that I wasn't diagnosed, even though they suspected it from the time I was a kid. But not really, because I'm just more relieved. Because like I said, I thought I was just a dumbass. I thought I just wasn't, wasn't working hard enough. Yes. Turns out I'm just mildly <laughs> I might have to bleep that out. So, well, I think that the context you used it um, sets the tone for people typically think something is wrong with someone because they have to take a little longer to do it or they struggle doing it. And so people do have that perspective um, in terms of the R word. But what I will say, two things that I want to say, and I'm only saying two things, because I'm mean, saying two because I don't want to forget one is um i am so excited that you have this diagnosis 
because I, of course, everyone knows I keep talking about, oh my gosh, I've got to get, you know, torn to shift his narrative. He keeps saying that he's stupid. He's dumb. He's not a good student. I'm I like, used oh to God. say I was a creative writing major. Even when I was in college, I said I was a creative writing major, couldn't read. Like yeah. I knew I couldn't read. I knew yes. I couldn't spell. And, and I, it, I just didn't put two and two together. Yeah. And so, you know, just you finding out the explanation to why you struggle in certain areas has just automatically shifted your narrative around yourself, right? So I say that to say, and, and on a side note, even if you were diagnosed with dyslexic back then, the schools still don't know what to do. I mean, they don't, they don't even count it as a IEP or 504. Like, I can't believe that dyslexia cannot be a specific learning disability when we have all of, I mean, it's just so ridiculous how the education system works, but that's another podcast topic. What I want the listeners to take from this is Torin has been navigating his life with an unknown, right? And the unknown is what shaped his perception of himself. So if your child is not explain things or told why they do certain things, and I'm specifically saying if you don't tell your child they're autistic or you don't tell them they're ADHD because you don't want them to look at themselves differently, well, they're already freaking looking at themselves differently, right? I mean, Torin grew up- Yeah, I, I was the one making that argument. Like historically on this podcast, I made that exact argument. <laughs> like that, that, that was my stance that, and we'll get to this, but my stance is effectively, you don't want to tell a kid they're autistic unless problems start to arise, like serious problems, because I didn't want them to look at themselves differently, look at themselves as disabled. Yeah. yeah. But but children are very insightful. Like children know when parents are having troubles, even though you may fake it and put it on. Children know when something's going on. They're not like stupid little aliens that don't understand the world. They just don't have a way to articulate it. But they're very aware and very keen. And they're very aware when they are different, when they are struggling, and no one seems to know or have the answer. Um, and And... This also goes for listeners who may be parents of autistic kiddos and, you know, sometimes knowing your own neurodivergent identity and finding out that you are also autistic can be a game changer because it tells you the why. And I think that Torin, you said it when you said it explains, it explains, it explains it because you're aware that you can't read. You're aware. You're like, oh my gosh, why? Like everybody else is putting the spelling words. Why am I reading this three times? Children are aware. You have been aware your entire life and no one ever gave you. And I'm sorry that they didn't, but no one gave you any explanation. And of course, you know. Oh, I, oh, I was I was given explanations. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was told, for example, when I was like six or seven, they knew I couldn't spell. So their explanation was, I believe I, it was an OT. And her explanation was, I simply wasn't trying hard enough because if you can read, you can spell. Well, the kicker was I couldn't read either. <laughs> I don't know why people say that because what people, what a lot of people may not know is the most brilliant professors are the worst spellers, the worst spellers, the worst spellers. Spelling is not a sign of intellect. Spelling is simply... The, um, the concept of being able to visually recall a pattern. That's all spelling is. It's and memorization, but it's recalling a pattern. It's not about intelligence. 
which is generally why autistic people tend to be so good at spelling. This yes. is another thing, because a lot of the dyslexia sort of nullified a lot of the like autistic advantages, autistic. like pattern recognition and stuff yes. like that, because yes. that, that's part of dyslexia. It messes up how you perceive those patterns. Yes. But also for me, the reason it was such a big deal, it may not be as big of a deal for someone else, for, for, for your kid or yourself. But remember, I've wanted to be a writer since like high school. I went to school for it. I went to school for history, which history is all just reading and writing. So I was immersed in the very thing I struggled the most at because I loved it, because I loved telling stories. I loved expressing myself through the written word, even though I struggled. So what, how that ended up is I just had to work like 15 times harder than everybody else for 15 times less results. I just felt like a failure. I spent my whole 20s feeling like a failure. Feeling like, mm -hmm. I have, why can't I get this book written? Why can't I get these essays written? Why haven't I? Everyone thought I would become a pretty good writer because when I do get words on the page, it takes a lot of effort, but they're pretty good. And I have a mm -hmm. pretty strong writer's voice. At, at least that's what I've been told. Um, so people wondered, like, why hasn't it worked out? I was wondering, why hasn't it worked out? That's like an accountant who doesn't do well in school in accounting and wondering why that was, even though they worked hard and they find out, Oh, I don't know my times table. Well, then yes. that certainly colors things a little bit. Yes. So it was such a relief because the very thing I wanted to do was being affected by the disability. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't know that was the issue, once again, I thought I just it, I do I thought it wouldn't happen. Right before this, right before I realized I was dyslexic, I was talking to my best friend about how I was going to give up on writing. I was like, it's, it's just not gonna happen. It takes too much. Yeah. It was causing me anxiety attacks. It was causing me to have meltdowns. It was causing burnout. It was actively, whenever I really tried to write any period where I really focused on writing the book, mm -hmm. I would last a few weeks, like a, a month, a month and a half, two months. My mental health would go to shit. I'd get almost nothing done. I would start like gaining weight because I would eat to cope because I'd be burnt out. Like this weighed on me. So this was a big relief because now at least, because how I describe it is, with disability, you can work around disability. There's nothing you can do about being stupid. There, 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 there's a hard ceiling in that case. Yes. yes. There's just nothing you can do. Uh, I thought I was the guy like, I'm just, I, I, I'm just dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm not good at this. I'm not talented. So, and everyone else told me that wasn't the case, but I'm like, then where's the production? Why is this so hard for me? Everyone's talking about, oh, I write for pleasure. I write, it's a release. I'm like, this makes me want to shoot myself. Why is this so hard? Even yeah. though I want to do this, I want to express myself. I have these stories I want to tell. So understanding that mm -hmm. has turned things around over the last few weeks. I got back to writing. I'm able to build, I'm able to understand myself. I was like, why is it do I need these specific circumstances to be able to write? Yeah. Well, now I know. So now instead of being mad at myself and feeling like a prima donna, I set up those circumstances. I time, I time what I need to time. I time my caffeine because I need caffeine to stimulants to be able to focus. It helps with the reading comprehension. It helps the word comprehension. I'm able to do all those things. I understand it's not me being weak or being lazy or being unable to deal with changing environments. It's me accommodating a disability. Yep. And also, um, and I'm just going to be crass. Dyslexia is one of those like acceptable disabilities. <laughs> it just is because there are famous people that have them. You're not viewed as being like non, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not viewed as like having like a, a lower mental age you are. It's, huh. it's not viewed like the autism. Gotcha. 
Yes. So it's so there's a double relief. I know it's wrong with me, and I can tell people that, and people don't look back at me and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Like now, it's cool to be ADHD. We had that podcast. Yeah, and honestly, what I will say is, I'm being dead serious. Mm-hmm. I finally understand all those white girls on Instagram who are like, I realize I'm autistic or I realize I'm ADHD and this changed my life. I could never understand that before because I'm like, how the hell did you just realize that now? If you really were, it would have derailed your life so drastically. Like, I can't imagine never being, I can't imagine a world where I didn't know I had the autism because Mm -hmm. there wasn't a day that went by where someone, my parents, my teachers, my therapists, other students weren't reminding me that I had the autism. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine. Now I get it with dyslexic yeah. thing. Now I get it. Cause I went 31 years out knowing it, even though it was obvious, even though it destroyed my, it, it in part destroyed yeah. my academic career. I don't want to blame the whole thing on that. And even though like it definitely had a negative effect on my self-esteem because of the line of work I want to go into. So I, I kind of get it now. I, I get those white girls now. I do. I'm so glad. Not not that you get the white girls, but I'm glad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. You know, Torin, this, uh, you know, this, it just reminds me of those moments when I've worked with kiddos and, you know, I recognize that there's something, there's more than just autism or there's even kids who aren't autistic kids that I'm like, there's something we're missing. We're missing something. We're missing something. Right. And then once you find what that is, it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. Um, especially when it comes to learning disabilities. Uh, you know, I find that, um, those things are not looked for in a way that they should be looked for in the education system. Teachers are not educated on looking for signs of, oh, it might be visual perception. Oh, it might be dyslexic. Oh, it might not be, or might not be only the child can't stay on green, right? Like, why can't they stay on green? And I find that teachers are not trained to think of the why, unless it's like, you know, well, teachers aren't trained, behavior therapists are. But they're not trained on that. And sadly, now that I'm thinking about it, the teachers who are taught about learning disabilities are the teachers that don't see the kids before they get to them. So if the special education teacher is the only thing that knows what dyslexia is, but the children are in the non-special education class who doesn't know what dyslexia looks like, how are they supposed to know? Now, Yes, I know we have steps, right? RTI, you do intervention, somebody says, but it shouldn't have to be like we used to say, oh, we're sorry, we can't do anything. They have to fail first because that's the way the system is designed. Children aren't allowed to get help until they failed. There is no system that says, huh, you know, they're struggling a little bit. Let me see what I can do. Well, you get help after you fail. Well, you can you can get a, a process of an evaluation after you have failed. So they will not look at any, no one will do anything proactively. Let's just say that. No, I'm being sarcastic. I know. <laughs> the, 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 the implication being I failed plenty and no one ever helped me, but. Well, you were in New York, so I'm just going to. Oh yeah, our, educa- our public education system is beyond yes. a joke. It's, yes. we make a lot of fun of the South for good reason. But uh, we're, we're, we're not far behind. We really are. We really are. So the 
the system is not designed for the people who are working with the kids to be proactive, nor is it designed for them to recognize it could be something else because I really don't, I mean, that when I think about it, I mean, I went through school to school for speech therapy, but we had to take, because at that time, speech therapists got teaching certificates because we worked in the schools and were paid as teachers. And so I don't, I don't remember any of the education classes talking about that, right? Like, like, do you know that when a child is struggling with handwriting, it could be a visual spatial. Have you asked their parents about an eye exam, right? Not about can they see the letters, but there's all kinds of things. And I say that because there are lots of children that I've worked with that once I said, go to an ophthalmologist and get an exam for visual spatial, visual processing and visual perception. And it's amazing that once the kids get the right glasses or get surgery, they no longer are a problem in the classroom right? Because we looked at why they're struggling, but that's not something that is done very often. And it's really sad that most people don't realize they're dyslexic until they're adults when they've struggled because no one's recognized I, it. I, they, they, they did a study in Rikers Island. Rikers is where mm -hmm. New York keeps all their prisoners. Oh. Um, and well, most of them. And I believe they found that like 30% of the inmate mm -hmm. population was dyslexic. Like they gave yeah. a, they gave a dyslexic test. It was like 30%. So yeah. basically, because also obviously crime tends to skew along socioeconomic lines as well. So these were people who didn't exactly come from privilege. So when you don't come from privilege and you're disabled, yeah. the, the odds are sort of stacked against you. Yes. But I do have a question for you, Stacey. That's only half sarcastic. Uh -oh. There's... A perception, at least when I was a kid, and unfortunately, I'm still getting that perception that if a child is diagnosed early on with the autism, mm -hmm. that any other disorders, worrying about those and like focusing on those individually outside of the autism is basically like re-erecting uh, deck chairs on a Titanic. Like that was definitely the, the, the sort of prevailing wisdom when I was a kid. Can you explain to the audience why this is untrue and why this is maybe not the best way to look at a complex of disorders? So that's a really good question, Torin. And you're correct, because even my parents who have dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism, they are told, oh, just focus on the autism. Like, and I'm like, okay, uh, okay. Um, now the only, only thing that supersedes, and I'm using that word because that's exactly right, supersedes in, in regards of getting more attention is children who also have medical conditions like epilepsy that can kind of consume because of the medical, you know, and so sometimes, um, services for autism are pushed to the side and they don't get speech therapy or OT because they're just trying to control the seizures. And that's understandable because that's a, you know, sort of sometimes a life and death situation. But I think that my experience um, based on conversations I've had and what I hear is, I think the reason that autism is the focus, even though there may be something else going on, is because autism is so different for every individual, or it's looked at as 
non-compliance or people still think autistic individuals are automatically intellectually delayed or they think oh it's the autism because they're not paying attention and people with autism can't pay attention right uh i will share an example and then i will expand a little bit uh to make my point but i have a kiddo that i've been working with uh, for a few months and um diagnosis is autistic and the child is in um, uh, one grade mainstream with support, but two grade levels below. And I'm, I'm, I just keep asking questions saying, I, I don't understand, I don't understand. Well, you know, she doesn't really pay attention and, and she stems, I'm like, uh, that doesn't make any sense to me because autistic kids learn whether they're jumping up and down, running around the classroom, or they just pick up something and pick it up on their own, right? Learning has never been a concern of mine when it comes to autistic kids. That's why I say, get if you have a good therapist, stay in therapy, scrap kindergarten, screw it, don't go, right? Um, because our kids are learning and they're usually going to kindergarten and pre-K already doing some of the things that um, are above level. Not saying everybody's gifted and genius, but autistic kids pick up information pretty quickly. Um, when it's available, of course, uh, and sometimes when it's not, they find it anyway. However, I, I, sorry, I rambled, but this kiddo has been sitting in this classroom and for three years, the same school, very nurturing school, very wonderful school environment. Um, no trauma, right? They just let her be herself, but she's two grade levels behind. And I keep saying there's something wrong with this picture. That is not an autistic profile. That is not what I would, that's not because of her autistic diagnosis. So I've been digging, 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 and clearly there is a learning disability there. I don't know what it is because I need to actually, I wanna say learning disabilities is the thing that I have to really sit next to the kiddo to figure out what it is. Um, Cause there's a lot of things that I take in just sitting with them that I can observe along with the assessments, but I'm planning to go um, uh, and be in there in person because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that she is this savvy, uh, initiative-taking, bossy, problem-solving girl who clearly is intelligent, and she's two great levels behind. And then I'm thinking, I mean, has she really just had crappy teachers and all the other kids are two levels behind? Maybe that's what it is, right? Like none of the kids are learning, but that's not the case. No, they're, um, they're one grade level behind. And then the lack of having her, her support needs met accounts for the other grade level. Of course, of so course. Split the, split the difference. Yes. And so, of course, the other part for me is why isn't everybody looking at this as a sense of urgency? Well, because, oh, she's autistic. She okay. has the autism. Yeah, she has the autism. So sadly, because autism, which is why we do this podcast, has such a devastating, just detrimental. I mean, I, I it's the the when people hear the word autism as a diagnosis, I mean, they immediately just think, oh my gosh, your life is over. I've had people tell people that their children are you know, addicted to heroin and no one feels as bad about that when somebody says my child's diagnosed with autism. I mean, it is just dumbfounding to me the way people respond. 
I understand logically it's because people don't know, which is why we're doing the podcast and trying to get other folks to listen, not just those who are like-minded, but it has such a reputation of devastation and it's so misunderstood as a diagnosis. And so that's why it's always on the focus because just if you blame it on the autism, you can't fix the autism. So you don't have to do anything, right? Oh, they're just autistic. So we don't have to do anything more to try to figure it out. There's, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. It's incurable, don't you know? It's the autism. That's, That's why we need to give money to Autism Speaks. So they can work on a cure so we can do something. But until then, all we can do is draw our hands up. You know, I had a really good friend. I have to say, I love that my friends support my mission on shifting the narrative and, and support my... Uh, dedication to the autism community but they'll send me things and so today I got a message saying oh this person works in HR and they said oh I'm prepping for our 2024 calendar and I know that April 2nd is World Autism Awareness Day and I just want to know you know do you think it's a good idea for us to do a collection for Autism Speaks and I'm like like oh. <laughs> literally like no so I said, let me send you some information and what you guys can really do to make a difference. So it was an opportunity, right? But um, yeah, don't want to do that. I mean, you know, we've all, most people have done it. Um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't know what I knew now. And our team for our school would do things and purchase shirts. But, you know, when you know. Better, when you know, you know. Better, yeah. So you make choices, but um, I think that's what it is. I think that it's just for some people, it's a cop out. You don't have to do anything else, right? Or it is that autism is so overwhelming and there's everything is wrong with your child. Like even simple stuff that toddlers do, right? Like when parents will say, and it's really cute because parents don't know, they don't, I mean, they don't know. It's, I'm not saying they, they're, it's not a negative. They don't know until someone tells them. And so I love it when parents say, oh my gosh, like, you know, we're having this behavior where, you know, his new baby brother, you know, he's like taking his toys from him. And then he's like, you know, getting really upset with him when he cries. And, you know, what should we do about that? I'm like, well, uh, that is what all toddlers do when there's a baby crying and the baby sister or brother comes into their life and tries to take their toys. And that is natural human sibling interaction. That is not autism we don't need to have the aba superheroes with a cape come in and fix that right? like since, since, since when are like toddlers not dead? that's true if they're called they, the terrible twos for a reason i know i know they are and then when they become teenagers they're toddlers again they're just bigger and they smell <laughs> it, it's like a cycle there's yes. this there's this arc of one time and this is completely off topic and, we'll and then play. we get old and we're toddlers again and our parents yes this is completely off topic, and I'll likely, uh, we'll likely do a whole episode on the autism. But the last thing I'll say is, I had the the superintendent of my high school once was explaining how, because our school was K to twelve, they were explaining how in maturity, there's like this arc upward from like kindergarten up to about sixth grade, it arcs upward, and they hit like seventh grade, and then it just crashes because they hit puberty, and seventh, eighth, and ninth is just hell like they basically 
she, she was like, yeah, basically the eighth graders are less mature than the fifth graders. Like that's like the arc just completely bottoms out. And then she said, for about ninth grade to 12, it starts slowly climbing back up again. <laughs> so that's, so yeah, I, I just, it, it reminded me of that. But to get back to topic, which is me finding out that I have yet another learning disability. On the surface, so what I'll say is, obviously, on the surface, mm-hmm. it seems like a bad thing. Because also, I also looked up stuff on dyscalculia and dysgraphia, which I kind of already knew I had. My handwriting is terrible. I've, I was born with some real motor, uh, fine motor issues. Mm-hmm. And I also am horrible at math. I've told numbers. I've told money. That I've always known. The difference is, I did everything I could to avoid anything to avoid numbers because I was bad at it. So it was never as much of a problem. It was more of just avoiding. But it can seem like too much to have dyscalculia, dyscalculia, dyslexia, possibly ADHD. I don't know. Definitely autism, which I'm diagnosed with. Definitely hearing loss, which I have. It seems like this whole just smorgasbord of disabilities, it seems like a lot. And I was explaining this to my aunt. And God bless my aunt, but she's from a uh, prior generation. Uh, back when they still used like horses and buggies and stuff like that. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Mm-mm. So she was just like, that just seems like too many disabilities. You're, you're fine. You've gotten by. You've gotten by fine as it is. The fact I've been working on a book for 10 years and have two chapters written should be the indication that I have, I have not, in fact, done that. The fact I failed out of college should be the indication that I have not, in fact, been just. It's like people. Here we go again. It's like the people who were like, um, who I, I think we said this on the podcast before, that if someone's gone through a lot as a kid and they said, why did so-and-so and I turned out just fine? They did not, in fact, turn out just fine. It's like that. I did not, in fact, turn out just fine. Yes. But this, I, I get where she comes from. The smorgasbord seems like a lot. Basically, it, it, it's like you can't do anything. But it's not as bad as it appears for several reasons. The first is, like I said, Things like dyscalculia and dysgraphia. One, I don't need handwriting. I just need enough motor skills to be able to hold a fork and wipe my ass, which I have. Yep. And and to be able to like tie my shoes, which I can. I wasn't able to tie my shoes till I was till I was 10 years old, but I can now. So that's all that matters. And when it comes to things with numbers, that's a calculator support. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I do struggle with money, but the good news is I'm broke. Yep. So I don't have to worry about that. So, so no chances those, of mismanagement when you're broke. Yeah, exactly. It's, there's, it's much easier to manage because you don't have any. So yeah, I always those, say that about I always say that about bad credit when there were all these scams going on and I had you know gone through divorce and I was like, ah, oh, the the good thing about having bad credit is no one's going to try to steal your identity. Exactly. No, 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 no one. one. Like, like no. if you're welcome to it, it's like the old joke when it's like someone is like someone broke into my house looking for money. I'd help them look. It's like you're safe from that, but so those those two are off the board pretty much. They're they're from all intents and purposes are non factors. It sucked when I was in school because you had some general education requirements involved math. One of the reasons I failed out, but that was a long time ago. Now that was six, seven, eight years ago. So it's not really an issue right now. So now we have autism, which is always a thing. The autism is always a thing mm-hmm. that I have to work around. Uh, possibly ADHD, most likely dyslexia. But thing is, a lot of these counteract for each other. I was already uh, coming up my own accommodations for the dyslexia. 
Not as much as I should have because I didn't know I had a problem. I thought I was being lazy. So I was actually trying not to accommodate because I thought it was a sign that I was being lazy. Uh-huh. But I already know the accommodations that the Stacy was was giving me some like simple accommodations, like having uh, a color sheet over a book when you're reading because it changes the colors. It does something sensory. I was already doing it. not because I knew that, but I just naturally figured it out. Yeah, having autism allows me to see things differently and break things down and deconstruct things. So I understand my strengths and weaknesses. And because I've been alive just long enough to actually have some real life experience. I'm able to work around those. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time they tend to balance out. Uh, the ADHD, that sort of chaoticness, we can't bring anything together. For me, it's lesser problem because even though I am, there, there is a lot of chaos because I'm autistic, I can't function. Yeah. It's chaos. So it has to be somewhat rigid. And with the autism, this want of chaos and differences brings me out of my shell. It forces yeah. me to try new experiences I otherwise wouldn't. So a lot of the time they balance each other out. So it really isn't as bad as it sounds. It really isn't, which is yeah. why I don't always go. I, I, I kind of get annoyed when, when people go through the list of all their disabilities. And I, I look know. at the list. I'm like, these all kind of cancel each other out. It's either you don't know how to work around things, which is a possibility, or you're just doing it to score like sympathy points. So that's why I don't list it. But dyslexia I'm talking about now because it's new and it's, like I said, the missing piece to why things hadn't quite gone as planned sometimes. I had no explanation why. Now that I have an explanation, I can work with that. So that's why I want to mention for for parents that are worried, oh, I have to add the another. Because a lot of times when when you have a kid who's autistic, they have what's called comorbidities. We already did an episode on that. Or we prefer co-occurring conditions yes. mm-hmm. or uh, spicy autism. Until they change the wording again. I just can't even keep up. Yeah, so, so spice of, so day. autism with spice, Sasson autism, mm-hmm. when you have some, some, when you have some other stuff along with it. So they feel like, well, that's too many disabilities. Well, just think of it that way. As they get older, a lot of them are going to kind of cancel each other out. Yeah. Some of them are going to be disabilities that because of advances in technology and where society is going, aren't effect aren't really there they're not really a problem like no, like with my dysgraphia i don't need to I don't, I don't need to use handwriting i need to be able to sign my name and not exactly. i don't have to know how to do it neatly exactly i said about 10 years ago it may have been longer maybe mean shorter but how long has the ipad been out uh, i think since 2000 and the iphone i believe 2006 the ipad i think it's like 2012 2011 that ballpark Okay, so it might have been about 18 years ago. Anyway, I remember saying to one of my coworkers, I said, you know, this is a great time in the, in, in the world, or, or a great time to have any disability. Technology is freaking amazing. You have apps now that help blind people get their clothes matched. They don't have to have somebody match in their closet. You've got all kinds of directions that tell you what to do. Your GPS, go left, go right. You've got all kinds of apps so that you don't have to write anything. You can literally talk text. You can um, communicate with, you don't have to. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity for individuals who have a disability to have things literally at their fingertips to be able to get things accomplished independently, unlike before, right? now. I'm not saying, yay, everyone needs to be disabled, but I'm saying 
We have so many things. That's why I don't know why we're working on stupid skills like tying your shoes. Who cares? Seriously. I guess because the, that they assume that they assume that in like a workspace, for example, you have to be able to wear shoes in most jobs. You can wear shoes that don't have shoestrings. There but are like I, I think they're that they're thinking like old fashioned wise. Like ten yes. years ago even, or definitely twenty years ago, but even ten years ago, most jobs that were like more than like just working as a janitor, any job that like paid more than minimum wage, you expect to have shoes that like look halfway decent. You can wear loafers, penny loafers. Penny loafers are acceptable in the workplace. Torin, give me another problem and tell me if I can't solve it. <laughs> By the way, it's 2010. I just looked it up. Okay. So, you know, that's, and I'm bringing it back to the topic of, for the listeners, for parents, not being fearful of finding out, oh my gosh, it's another thing, but, oh, great. Now I know what it is. Let's see what supports I can get because technology is available, right? That's my whole point. My point is, even though it feels overwhelming, because some of our listeners may be parents and concerned about their children's learning, it's better to know what it is, just like with any medical condition. Who has, what do we watch all the time that, well, not all of us, but there's a show called Pimple Popper, right? And people go on there and they're trying to figure out what it is. It's like such a relief to know what it is. Even though it's a horrible thing, at least you know what it is and why you have this thing growing out of your head, right? Or growing under your arm or whatever the hell things are happening to your skin. So all of us have been in situations, not all of us, I'm not going to say that. Many people have been in situations or known people where you don't feel well, nobody can figure it out, you're taking tests. And once you figure out, even though it's not what you would have wanted, at least now you know how to do, how to handle it, right? What to do? What can I do now that I know? Um, now, for, for any of the men in the audience, that might be oh tough because what, what what we do is there's something wrong. We just ignore it until like we get hospitalized. So that I, like I have trouble identifying with that. It's like I I just I would just yeah. ignore it, just like I do with the dyslexia. I would just ignore it until it ruined my life. But the last thing I want to say as we need to to wrap this up is. It's true what Stacy said, that there's all this technology and all these resources and things you could do to work around disabilities, especially nowadays, and more and more coming out every day. But it's the utilization of these resources. And oftentimes, because a five-year-old is not going to know how to utilize these resources unless they're taught. And a lot of times they're not these resources aren't being taught, and these resources aren't being parents aren't being pointed in the right direction for these resources. Example I, uh, example I give for myself is the dysgraphia, the handwriting issue. I was lucky that I was coming up in a time right when handwriting was starting to be phased out for typing. Exactly. But like no one at my school, because I went to a school for, hit your bingo card, I went to a school for kids who were, to, who were disabled, went to, to special ed. Uh, they figured, well, they don't need any skills, period, because they're not doing anything with their lives. Yeah. A lot of about about half the, the school had the autism. Mm -hmm. So one thing I wanted to learn was not because I knew I couldn't write, but I was just curious. I wanted to learn how to touch type. There was this program that that it was for kids, and I was already a teenager. But there was a program we had in the computer lab teach you how to touch type. And 
I want to learn. They're like, eh, don't worry about it. Even though, like, clearly, like, I, by this point, I was in high school. So it's like 2000, late 2000s. So I'm like, I need to be able to know how to type. They're like, yeah. eh, don't worry about it. So I basically came during my lunch break and taught myself how to type, which is very important. So I'm actually pretty good typing. So since then, I never needed handwriting after that. Because okay. at that point, you could ask, can I type something versus write it in hand? Because both of those, it was sort of, what, it was sort of the meeting of both of those time periods. So I just started typing everything because I got good touch right. typing. For for those of you who don't know, touch typing, because almost everyone knows how to do it. Touch typing is just be able to type without having to look at the keys, like hunting for the right key and pecking it. Just being able to do it without having to look at the keyboard. And I was actually decent. I'm not great at it, but I was decent at it enough that it was more efficient than handwriting. Mm -hmm. So that's what helped me. But I had to seek it out myself and do it myself. And I was already in high school. Yeah, A lot of, a, a lot, like, five-year-olds aren't going to have that initiative or wherewithal to be able to do that. So it's important that parents and school administrators and teachers are able to point parents and kids in the direction so they can take advantage of these yes. often available, often cheap or free resources that can yes. make a huge difference in these kids' lives. Yes. And, you know, we, maybe we can do a podcast on this. I don't know how we would frame it, but one of the things I find is that kids are pretty savvy on technology, right? Because they have phones when they're- it, It's insane. Whenever I see a kid on like an iPad, I just feel old. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm in my 50s. Yeah. But I'm just like, but, oh. But what, what I tell parents is when parents say, well, you know, I'm just that, that much into technology. I'm like, well, you need to get into technology because you know what you're missing. You're missing supports for your kid. You are missing supports for your child. You are missing supports for your child. And we cannot, our world is technology-based. People are going to have to get on board and parents are going to have to explore because the iPad is an amazing tool if you use it well. If you just give it to someone for Facebook or YouTube, that's a waste of money. Why would you pay that much money for an item where all you do is do Facebook and watch YouTube? There are so many things like for the, the you know, and we can, you know, I know we've talked about the apps and stuff, but there are apps for kids who struggle with handwriting. There are things that will read the books to your kiddos. And when people say, oh, well, that's not really reading. You know what? They read it to them. They comprehended it. People with Braille, are we saying that's not really reading because they're not saying it out loud? No. But here's the thing. So what, what, what I'll say to people who believe it's not really reading, I, I do have a question. If you're a person, obviously not you, Stacey, but if you're a person who believes that it's not really reading, that they haven't read to them, I just have a question. Have you considered f***ing off? Like, <laughs> honestly, like, has, have you made that consideration? Because I think it's something that could really benefit your life if you believe that. Just f*** off. That's it. Everyone will be better off. But the last thing I will say before we go is that I think both you and me need to uh, check our our internal biases and check our privilege because what we are doing is quite, I don't think ableist is the right word, like workist. Uh -oh. I, I, I'll make up a new word, workist. It's workist to assume and to demand that teachers and administrators actually do their jobs. Oh. That is very discriminatory. Yeah, They should not be forced to their jobs that 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 that, that we, we apologize we will do better in future episodes to respect teachers and administrators who don't feel like actually doing their jobs we understand that 
they are going through a lot and they should not be expected to do the thing that they're being paid to do that they went to at least six years of schooling to be able to do. It's 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 unfair to expect them to actually do that. Mm-hmm. And we are making a commitment to be better people. So, so I'm, not, I'm not making <laughs> I'm just going to be discriminating. Stacey just straight up said, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> like, screw y'all. And I will tell you why. I just did an IEP, read, redid an IEP and revamped it for the parents that got a really poorly written IEP and made suggestions. I mean, I literally did the whole IEP with accommodations, everything, sensory profile. And the parent comes back and says, oh, the school psychologist was really appreciative. You did such a good job. I said, tell her to send me a check because I really did her job for her. I literally did her job for her. That's what allyship looks like, doing people's jobs for them while they get paid to do it. Yes, yes. That's what it looks like. That that's what that's what that that's what we work. That was that's the goal of this podcast. But Stacey, on a serious note, do you have any last thing to say before we get out of here? You know, the only thing I will say is um, I really appreciate you sharing this, Torin, because you know, neuro- dyslexia is part of the sort of neurodivergent mind, and I also think that it's not talked about enough, right? In terms of autistic individuals can also have a learning disability and it's not just scoop everything up to whatever people think and related to an autism diagnosis. So thank you very much. And I told you that you weren't stupid. (laughs) That's still up for debate, by the way. Like, I just want to make that clear that the dyslexia diagnosis does not preclude the fact that I also may be an idiot. I'm just oh not an idiot gosh. due to my inability to read and write properly. I don't have conversations with idiots, so you're not an idiot. I'll tell you that much. I mean, you, you talk to school administrators, teachers all the time, so. Oh, I don't even put them in the idiot category. That's a whole nother category. <laughs> a whole nother category. Well, Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism and please listeners i love that those of you who are listening consistently waiting for the next episode please 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 put it in the hands of those that really need their narrative shifted and i know we're all working on shifting our narrative because i still have to work on stuff as well see ya